This is the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Good morning and welcome to the Biblical Unitarian Podcast, the podcast that aims to start conversations about the oneness and unity of God and about the humanity of Jesus. My name is Dustin Smith, and as always, I will be your host. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode. This week, we've got a great episode in store. It's episode 221, entitled, The Father's Agent Misunderstood in John chapter 14. Yes, we're going to look at Jesus, who is the supreme agent of God. Jesus, the agent of the Father. Now, within this episode, we are going to continue our ongoing study of the theme of misunderstanding. The theme of misunderstanding is a narrative theme that is dominant within the fourth gospel, within the gospel of John. And if this is your first episode listening on this series, it's important to know how the theme of misunderstanding functions. So the theme of misunderstanding in the gospel of John has three very important components. First, Jesus makes an ambiguous statement. Second, the conversation partner misunderstands what Jesus said, either by interpreting it literally or by asking an inappropriate question. Third, either Jesus or the narrator explains what Jesus meant, although sometimes the explanation is missing but clearly implied. So in this week's episode, we're going to look at the theme misunderstanding in John chapter 14, specifically We're going to look at the misunderstanding that surrounds the identity of the Father. That seems to be a pretty important topic. In doing so, we will explore the nature of Jewish agency. Within Jewish agency, we will examine the manner in which Jesus functions as the agent of God. Because God has sent Jesus which means that Jesus is the agent of God. Also within this episode, we will look at how Jesus defines the only true God and how Jesus identifies the only true God as the Father. What does Jesus mean when he says that we need to know Jesus? And why does knowing Jesus imply that we understand that Jesus is the agent of God? of God. Let's find out on this week's episode of the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Our first point today is looking at the sender and the agent misunderstood. Our passage today is in John chapter 14, and we're going to start in verse 7. Jesus is speaking here. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. From now on, You know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been so long with you, and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does his works. 
believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe because of the works themselves. That's John chapter 14, verses 7 through 11. Before we look more closely at the theme of misunderstanding, I think there are some interesting tidbits within this particular passage. It is interesting that Jesus says to Philip that he has not come to know me, yet you have not come to know me, Philip. Knowing Jesus seems to be tied together with knowing the Father. Now, the way in which Jesus and the Father are closely related is something that we're going to get into a little bit later into this episode. But it's very interesting that knowing Jesus, according to Jesus' own definition, is not just knowing the person of Jesus. It's also related to knowing how Jesus is related to the Father, specifically in that Jesus is the agent of the Father. You cannot know Jesus if you do not know that the Father has made Jesus the agent. Also within this passage, Jesus says that from now on, you know him. Namely, you know the Father and you have seen him. From now on, there is something about Jesus now definitively making this revelatory statement. And that this particular truth, from now on, should be accepted and agreed upon by Jesus' followers. This particular point, that Jesus is the agent of the Father, has been stated earlier in the Gospel, but now that Jesus has this private conversation with his disciples, he is not in the public talking to the crowds, he's not debating with the Pharisees, he's not talking with unbelievers. Jesus is privately talking with his disciples in John chapter 14. From now on, you know him. Namely, you know the Father and that you have seen him. This is a definitive statement, a revelatory statement, and the followers of Jesus should accept this as truth, as one of the important teachings of Jesus. Unfortunately, this is not an accepted and agreed upon fact within most Christian circles. So I want to take seriously the words of Jesus and what it probably means when he says, from now on, you know him and that you have seen him. Now, Jesus also states that the Father is abiding in me, namely the Father is abiding in the Son. And in doing so, Jesus is acknowledging his own subordinate position to the Father. The Father is abiding in Jesus in that the Father's word, the Father's logos, the Father's creative and powerful speech has been embodied in Jesus. And Jesus is carrying out the Father's will. Jesus is performing the Father's works. Jesus is exercising the Father's privileges, the Father's roles. He is demonstrating the Father's attributes. Jesus is functioning as an agent of the Father. Not just any agent. The Father has had many agents. The Father has sent prophets. He has sent spokespersons. He has sent animals. He has sent angels. Jesus is the definitive agent of the Father. And in doing so, Jesus is functioning in a subordinate capacity. Jesus outright says that he does not speak 
on his own initiative. He is not saying whatever he wants to say. He is only saying what the Father tells him to say. And in saying this, Jesus is telling us that he is not a rebellious son. He is not someone going around claiming to be the son, the son of God, in a way that would make him rebellious and disobedient to the Father. Rather, he is an obedient son. And if you are obedient to someone, then that someone has authority over your life. Meaning the Father is greater than the Son, and the Son is subordinate to the Father. By saying that Jesus does not speak on his own initiative, he is not some sort of fringe messianic pretender. I'm sure many of the Jews thought that Jesus was just merely claiming to be the Messiah, but that he was a false Messiah. He was a messianic pretender. We have to remember that a hundred years either side of Jesus in the time that Jesus was functioning within his earthly ministry, there were many people claiming to be the Messiah. There were about a dozen people claiming to be the Messiah, either with their words or with their deeds. So Jesus claiming to be the Messiah is in the midst of a culture, a hotbed of Jewish people claiming to be the Messiah. And of course, all of them cannot be the true Messiah. So the Jews were not saying that Jesus just doesn't exist. They were saying he does exist, but that he is a messianic pretender. He is a disobedient son. He's not an obedient son. He is doing something that the Father would not want him to do. And of course, Jesus is not some sort of rogue, maverick prophet. No, he is the obedient son who does not speak on his own initiative, and the Father is holy and perfectly reflected in what Jesus is doing, because Jesus is the supreme agent of the Father. Let's move to our second point. Point number two, looking closer at the theme of misunderstanding involving the agent and the sender. So we noted that our theme of misunderstanding has three parts. The first part is that Jesus makes an ambiguous statement. It's pretty easy to pinpoint this in our passage. This happens in chapter 14, verse 7. Jesus says, If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you know him and have seen him. That's John 14, verse 7. So Jesus says that you have seen him. You have seen the Father. This is the statement that gets misunderstood. And this is a pretty radical statement because we have been told in Scripture and even within the Gospel of John that no one has ever seen God. No one has ever seen the Father. In fact, we could see this in the Gospel of John within the prologue. At the end of the prologue, it tells us pretty clearly in John 1.18 that no one has seen God at any time. And in the Greek, it's a little bit more emphatic. It's theon Udis Erakin Popote, which is God no one has seen ever. No one has seen ever. Making a clear and definitive statement that no one has ever seen God at any time. We can also see this in the Johannine epistles. 
in 1 John 4.12, it says, No one has seen God at any time, clearly influenced by the theology of the Gospel of John. So for Jesus to say that you actually do know the Father and that you have seen him seems to be, well, we're going to see how Jesus nuances this. But the way that Jesus is saying this is, of course, pointing to himself as the agent. Seeing Jesus means to see the Father. But you can see that the misunderstanding arises in a way that's pretty natural. For Jesus to say to the disciples that you have seen him would imply to anybody who is taking Jesus at his word that they have seen God in a way that no one else has. And it's also interesting here that Jesus is defining God as the Father. When he says that you have seen him, Jesus, of course, talking about God, but the him in question is the Father, and not just any Father. In 14, verse 7, Jesus says, It's my Father, because the Father of Jesus is God. Jesus' Father is God. So Jesus is defining God as the Father, as a good Unitarian who understands the Jewish God, the God of Israel, as one single person, the Father alone. Let's move on. The second part of the theme misunderstanding has the conversation partner misunderstanding what Jesus said, either by interpreting it literally or by asking an inappropriate question. We know who the conversation partner is. It's Philip. We know what he does. He interprets what Jesus said literally. We can see this in John 14, verse 8. Philip said to him, namely Philip said to Jesus, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. So Jesus had said, you have seen him. Philip says, okay, show him to us. Let's see him. If you show us the Father, then we'll believe it. I think Philip is kind of making this point, like, look, it's enough for us. We, we believe what you say. We trust you, Jesus. But he hasn't quite figured out that Jesus is speaking about himself as the agent of the Father in a way where Jesus is going to completely and wholly reflect and reveal the Father. And so Philip is thinking of the Father pretty specifically, which is the natural way that I think anybody would understand that particular statement that Jesus says. I think it's also interesting here, this is kind of a side note, is that Philip is not a oneness believer. Oneness is the doctrine that Jesus is the Father. The Father is Jesus. They are not numerically distinct that the Son is the Father. Philip is saying that, look, show us the Father, but he is thinking of someone other than Jesus. He does not think that Jesus is the Father. He doesn't think that the Father and the Son have collapsed into a single person. This is, of course, distinct from the Trinitarian claim to where the Trinity teaches that the Father and the Son are distinct persons, but they are all the same God. So the Trinity does not teach that the Father is the Son, they are distinct, but the claim is that the Father is God and the Son is God, and that they are co-equal, co-eternal, and co-essential. They're all made of the same stuff. This, of course, is not what is being taught in the Gospel of John. Not even close. Let's move us to our third and final point, to where Jesus, or the narrator, explains the disputed statement. We have 
Jesus making the explanation. We can see this pretty clearly in John 14, verse 9. How does Jesus clarify the misunderstanding? In 14, verse 9, Jesus said to him, Have I been so long with you, and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? So in order to see Jesus, the agent, this means that you are seeing that the Father is the one who has sent the agent. To see Jesus is to see the Father. Okay? And in saying this, Jesus is highlighting both the fact that he is the representative, he is the agent, and he is the representation. He is the image of God. So the Father is bound up in Jesus because Jesus is the representation of the Father, but also he is the representative. He is the agent. And technically, to be the agent is something a little bit different than the representative, but I think Jesus, within the Gospel of John, is claiming to be both of these things. Now, Jesus says that knowing me, to know Jesus, is to regard Jesus as the agent of the Father. The Father has sent Jesus, and Jesus, as the agent, fully reflects, fully embodies and fully represents the Father and everything that the Father is trying to accomplish, the will of God, the will of the Father. So it's very important. Jesus says, Have I been so long with you, and yet you have not come to know me? To know Jesus is to know that Jesus is the agent of the Father. Knowing Jesus is not just knowing Jesus of himself. To know Jesus is to understand the relationship that Jesus has with the Father. And this relationship is not a relationship between two persons who are equals. This relationship is that the Father has sent Jesus. Jesus is the agent. Jesus is the Son who is obedient and subordinate to the Father. Knowing Jesus indicates that you know all of those things, and that's very important. To correctly understand Jesus means you understand the relationship between Jesus and God. Jesus God, according to Jesus, is his Father. So Jesus is not saying that he is the Father. He's not saying that if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, because Jesus is the Father, as if the Father and the Son are two categories that are now collapsed into a single category. Now, the Gospel of John has been pretty clear that the Son and the Father are distinct persons, they are distinct beings, and they are regularly distinguished dozens and dozens of times throughout the Gospel. So Jesus is not going to erase and contradict all of that by suggesting here that he is the Father. Clearly, that is not true. Okay? What he is saying is that he represents the Father in the fullest manner humanly possible. The fullest manner humanly possible, because Jesus is a human being. He is a man. He is a member of the human race. And Jesus, as the agent, is able to represent the Father in a way that he can say definitively that if you have seen me, the agent, you have seen the Father, the sender of the agent. 
because that's how Jewish agency functions. The agent represents the sender in the way that the sender can be seen within the agent while clearly distinguished from him. And so we can see and know God by looking at God's agent, by looking at the Son who perfectly represents the Father. Okay, And in doing so, Jesus is the obedient Son who completely and wholly represents the Father's will. So there's no contradiction within the Gospel of John which says that no one has seen God. And yet Jesus can say that if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. Because it's true, no one has seen God. No one has seen the Father. But Jesus, as the agent, perfectly reveals the Father. That's how Jesus, as the agent, functions in his agentival capacity. So let's move to our third and final point, the Christological implications to Jesus, the agent, fully representing the Father. So the bold statement in John 14, 7-9, where Jesus definitively claims to be the supreme agent of God, the agent of the Father, this bold statement has been hinted at, it's been alluded to, and sometimes it's been outright stated in other places in the Gospel of John specifically places prior to John chapter 14. We can start in the beginning, in the beginning of creation and in the beginning of the Gospel of John. In John 1.1, 1, 1, we have in the beginning was the Word. That's God's creative and powerful speech. It's the personification of God's utterance, the Word that God spoke to create light and life and the birds and the bees and the trees. In the beginning was that word, that word was with God, that word was with the Father. And then we have this statement at the end of John 1.1, 1, 1, where it says the word was God, and in Greek, ketheos in o logos, to where the word there is functioning as the noun, but God is functioning more as an adjective. The word is fully reflective of God. The word is fully expressive of God. The word is divine in some sense. We're trying to find an adjective to describe the word God there. So there's a sense there to where this creative and powerful speech, which we ultimately know from John 1.14, gets embodied in Jesus, gets embodied in the human Jesus. This is something that reflects God. It's God's word. It's his utterance. It's his creative speech. It's his powerful speech. John 1.14, we can see that the Word became flesh. This speech, this utterance, this personified Word gets embodied in the human Jesus. It becomes flesh. I do think this refers to the birth of Jesus because the word flesh is the word that defines humanity. This Word becomes human. When does the humanity of Jesus begin? It begins at his birth. It begins at his conception when Jesus comes into existence. We also learn in John 1.14 that we beheld his glory. Okay, So the human Jesus embodies the glory of God in the same way that the temple, the Jerusalem temple, embodied the glory of God. And so Jesus is functioning as an agent here. He is the agent of God's glory. He is the agent of the Father's creative and powerful speech, the agent of the Father's utterance. 
And then in John 1.18, we see that on one hand, no one has ever seen God. But on the other hand, the Son reveals the Father. The Son exegetes the Father. There is a word here in John 1.18 where we get the word exegesis. Exegesis is when you read something out of the text. And so the Son, Jesus the agent, is the one that is going to reveal the Father, the unseen Father, the unseen God. Jesus is going to exegete the Father, and he does this in the capacity of an agent, because the agent reveals the sender. This is how Jesus is both the representative and the representation of the Father. I also want to point out that in John 1.18 it says, No one has ever seen God, and yet thousands and thousands of people saw Jesus. So that would clearly indicate that Jesus is not the true God. No one has seen God, but people have seen Jesus. Therefore, Jesus is not the unseen God. Now, throughout the Gospel of John, Jesus acts as the Father's agent by carrying out the Father's works and by exercising the Father's roles. So Jesus says in John 5.19, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing by himself unless it's something that he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, these things the Son also does in like manner. That's John 5.19. So Jesus is obedient to the Father. He is following in the footsteps of the Father. He is imitating the Father as an obedient Son. He's not a rebellious Son. He's not a fringe person claiming to be the Son of God, to where he's doing something by himself. He is looking closely at the Father's leading, and whatever God does, the Son is also doing. So as the agent, Jesus is carrying out God's works and exercising God's roles. A few verses later, in John 5.21, Jesus says that just as the Father raises the dead and gives life, even so the Son also gives life to whom he wishes. So the Father has the role of the person who gives life. He is the life giver, not only the one who creates as the creator, but also as the one who raises the dead and gives them life. So the Father is the one who raised the dead in the Old Testament. And now Jesus, the agent, is able to carry out the works of God. Jesus is able to give life. Not because Jesus is the Father or that Jesus is co-equal to the Father, but the Father has handed over that role and empowered and authorized Jesus as the agent to do so. In the next verse, John 5.22, Jesus says that not even the Father judges anyone, but he has given all judgment to the Son. Very clearly there. Jesus is empowered by the Father to perform one of the Father's roles and functions. The Father is the cosmic judge, and now the Father has handed over that authority, that privilege, and that role to his Son, the sent and the authorized agent. And in John 5, 27, Jesus says that the Father has given the Son authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. So again, the Father has the authority to execute judgment, to perform justice, and he has given that authority to the Son. He's given it to Jesus. Jesus did not originally have it. 
It is not an innate privilege that Jesus has. It is a shared prerogative that Jesus has received. And Jesus has this specifically as the Son of Man, as a human being. As a human being, Jesus is able to do the things that only God can do. Not because he is God, but because he is the agent. He is the one who has been sent. He is the one who has been authorized. God has sent Jesus, and God has given Jesus the ability and the privilege to raise the dead, to judge, and to execute judgment. Jesus does these things in a subordinate role. It's pretty clear. Jesus outright says he is subordinate to the Father in John 14, 28. The Father is greater than I. Full stop. The Father is greater than I, period. That's clear. There is no co-equality here. Jesus is not claiming to be co-equal with God. He's not claiming to be co-equal with the Father. The Father is greater than I, clearly, because Jesus is obedient to the Father, because Jesus is the creation of the Father, because the Father is the only true God and Jesus is not the only true God. Thereby, the Father is greater than everybody, including Jesus himself. Now, the sender of the agent, that sender, of course, is God the Father, validates the agent in a manner that the agent cannot do of his own. So consider this passage. In John 5.31, Jesus says, If I alone testify about myself, my testimony is not valid. But there is another who testifies of me, and I know that the testimony which he gives about me is true. That's John 5, 31 through 32. And this is an interesting passage. Jesus says that if he's able to testify about himself, that testimony is not valid. But God testifies about Jesus. The sender is able to offer testimony about the agent, and that particular speaker, the sender, who is God the Father, that testimony is true. So the sender is able to validate the agent through the agent can't validate himself. This, of course, indicates that the agent is nothing without the authority of the sender. Jesus is nothing without the authority that he has received from God. This is because Jesus is an agent, one who has been sent by God and who has been authorized by God as someone who fully represents the one who sent him. That's enough for today. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Please join us next week as we look at our very final occurrence of the theme of misunderstanding in John chapter 16. We will wrap up this ongoing study next week. We'll look at the final occurrence, and hopefully this has been an enjoyable study for you, the listener. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. Please look forward to our next episode. Please consider supporting us as we aim to promote these sound truths about the oneness and unity of God and about the humanity of Jesus. You can support us by subscribing for free on iTunes and YouTube. You can support us by giving an honest review on iTunes and by sharing your favorite episodes with your friends. If you'd like to offer a donation, you can check out the link to PayPal in the description of this particular episode. The Biblical Unitarian Podcast is produced and edited by Dustin Williams. I am Dustin Smith, your host. Until next time, please take care.